Welcome to Two Unlearned Men, a place where we come together and engage in discussions of discovery. A time where we consider the truth of life and consider if we are meeting its standard and encourage one another to grow in all areas of the human experience. We invite you to participate in the challenging of our traditional ways of thinking. Join us, your hosts, Mike and Kyle, the two unlearned men, looking for answers for all types of questions. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Welcome back to another episode of Two Unlearned Men. I am Mike, and I'm here with Kyle. And so the other day I was talking to my mom, and I asked her about something that had happened. Okay. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I kind of gave her some details of it, and she's like, that didn't happen like that. (laughs) And I'm like, what do you mean that didn't happen like that? I said, I was just talking to my sister, and it did. And she's like, So this is your memory of it? Yes. And she's like, no, that's not what happened. And so. But your sister swears it happened the same way you remember it. Right. So you and your sister are totally in agreement. Yes. This this happened a certain way. And she's like, no, that's not what happened at all. And she's like, you know, I, and she kind of had some photos that she took pictures and sent me up that proved I was wrong. But we both remembered that it happened that way. Okay. And so I got to thinking about other examples of things that that happened, like you know, that happened, and it's 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 got a name. It's called the Mandela effect. Okay, where you remember, where maybe even society remembers something that happened, and it all started. The big example is called the Mandela effect because people remember Nelson Nelson Mandela dying. And he did not. And he didn't die. Right. Yeah. He was like he was in prison. He was in prison. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And but it that took on a mass population. Yes. So this is obviously happening on different levels from the individual to massive groups. Right. Okay. So so you and your sister swore up and down this event happened the way you remembered it. Right. And your mom had physical evidence to prove you wrong. Right. <laughs> Your mom pulled Nelson Mandela out of the closet. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the how many times has that happened to you? I mean, in my life a bunch. Yeah. Where I've remembered things that, you know and then, you know, and then when it happens and you get proved wrong, you have to go back and question everything. Question everything. Right. Am I married? Right. Yeah. Did you ask your wife? <laughs> I got a ring. I got it somehow. So out of a quarter machine? Right. At the uh, Pizza Hut? <laughs> well, you were playing Galaxica or whatever it is. Right, yeah. Eating Ms. your personal Mrs. Pan- Pac-Man. Yeah, eating your personal pan pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> that I got with my book it tickets. Right, exactly. Aren't you glad you read that much? <laughs> or I said I read that much. <laughs> How many books did you read this week? Um, all of five. the books. <laughs> I read all of the books. What were the names? Um, I don't remember. I'll ask me tomorrow. <laughs> you had to actually Tomorrow's go to the library. library day, right? Yeah, yeah. okay, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, you had to actually go to the library because you can't just Google book names. <laughs> that right. exist. The, yeah, Google was not a thing. Yeah, that's too... <laughs> That was arguably the most delicious pizza 
you ever had in your life. Oh yeah, was a personal pan pizza. Yes, and the, it, they there was really nothing like it, and there still really isn't. And I don't, I haven't, I haven't had one of those probably since I was in elementary school. And they're they're they can't be the same. They can't they be the them. same because most of them are shut down now. Right, but Pizza Hut was the best. Yeah, like. With their dirty decor and their <laughs> Mrs. Pac-Man. Those red cups. Yes. Yeah. The, um, I'm looking to see if Pizza Hut still has a personal pan pizza. They do. You can still get a personal pan pizza. Unbelievable. That sounds like a field trip. Yeah, we might need to be ordering these for the next time we record, just for nostalgia purposes. Yes. Just to go back. But yeah. They, so like, That's terrible. What were we thinking? <laughs> <laughs> There's a YouTube channel I watch, and they will, uh, it's a cooking channel, and they will purposely do something uh, where they will recreate a dish that has been discontinued by a restaurant, and they call it Blast from the Past. And it's pretty funny. Like they redo the packaging, everything, and they'll bring. And the, basically, the discussion at the end is: Should we bring this back or not? And it it usually is pretty funny because it's almost never worth bringing back. It's always something super disgusting. But yeah, you can still get a personal pan pizza, Crystal Pepsi. Crystal Pepsi. That's another one. Oh my god, how dumb were we to fall for some of these marketing things? We were kids. So pretty dumb. <laughs> I can remember. I can remember a lot of my favorite things were predicated on the fact that I could afford them. Yeah. So like, I used to love Tootsie Pops and RC Cola, but I could get a twenty ounce bottle of RC Cola for like fifty cents, and a Tootsie Pop was like ten or fifteen cents. So for less than a buck, I could get these. So if I could just scrounge up a dollar from anyone, I could get what I wanted, and I just thought that was the greatest. I'm telling you, it is not No, what I thought it was. No. <laughs> yeah. Some of what we ate as kids was terrible. <laughs> like, I remember this. I, I don't even know what it was called. It was this, like, brown container. And it was on half of it had these, like, potato sticks or some kind of sticks. And then on the other half was a chocolate dip. Like a Dunkaroo? Kind of like a Dunkaroo, but it was like I said, they were like sticks. Okay. And it wasn't a pretzel, and it might not even have been potato, but it was like a breadstick almost? Kind of. Like yeah. the breadstick out of a Gardetto, but long and skinny? Yeah, I mean, and they were more shaped like fries, if I remember right. Okay. Again, going back to Mandela. Right. And you would you peel it off, and you peel off the other, and you take one and dip it in the other, and it was just. And it was half chocolate? Yeah. And then half dipping sticks? Yeah. I wonder what, uh, not Yum Yum. I don't even know what Yum Yum is. This is pulling up all kinds of crazy stuff when I just looked this up because it's trying to. Um, there was, um, I mean, they have mod- like Nutella has one now. But I can remember there was something, there was, um, it was the cheese and the sticks. Yeah, they they have those. They like yeah, they still have those. Yeah, they still have those. And I get those at the Sam's or Costco, wherever my wife gets them at sometimes. And I still like them. <laughs> but I don't. And, and they might the packaging might not have been brown. I might be remembering the Nutella and again Mandela affecting yep. it. But 
Yeah, I remember getting those as a kid, and I thought they were the greatest thing ever. They're probably actually really terrible. And well, I'm sure of it. But I'm sure of it. I can't find them. Maybe someday we'll find them. So the interesting thing about the Mandela effect is it, even though it's obviously probably been happening as long as people are alive. Right. Or cognitively alive. There's, it really became big when Nelson Mandela went to prison. People assumed he died. Everybody remembered him dying. And then he got out of prison and went on to become the president of South Africa. Right. Literally, he literally changed history in South Africa. And not um, bad for a dead guy. Not bad for a dead guy. He's doing good. So they, um, if you, if you try to define the Mandela effect, it has a couple different definitions, right? So one is a phenomenon in which large segments of the population misremember a significant event or shares a memory of an event that did not actually occur. And another definition is an instance of false collective memory. So they both basically say the same thing. It's, it's a memory that's not correct. We misremember facts. And this is clearly potentially a huge issue. And so in your life, you have this one specific moment. Right. So what what would have happened if your mom didn't have those facts? We probably would have argued and been like a recurring argument. So on a recurring argument that I, I have in my life, it's with my wife. <laughs> and when we were dating, we were driving or maybe just married. I can't remember. See, you which already one. can't yeah. remember. It. But anyway, we were driving and it was fall and I hit a leaf. There was leaves in the road. It was fall. I hit a, a crunchy leaf. And she swears I hit a cardinal. I said, babe, I did not hit a cardinal at night. It was a leaf. And, she, and so it's a, like we still have that fight over whether it was a cardinal or a leaf. Or a leaf. I'm like, it was not a cardinal. She's like, you wouldn't have heard a leaf. I said, yeah, you could have. You know, we if it were, was a lot of leaves. You know, and so, and it was night. It wasn't a cardinal. So right. we, we have that fight, you know. <laughs> and After how many years of marriage? Right. Yeah. So <laughs> we still have that fight. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be one of those Just situations. ongoing. Yes. So, like, it can obviously happen with any. So there are multiple examples of public, uh, or what, did they, what did the definition call it? Um, population misremembrances is how we'll, we'll phrase it. There's uh, population false collective memories. There's lots of examples. Of that. And I know some of these we you've talked about and we've seen before, but like a lot of them are with logos, how yes. we remember a logo. Like a, a common one is the Monopoly Man. Um does he have a monocle or not? Mr. Peanut has a monocle. Monopoly does not. Does not, yeah. And then um, the Kit Kat logo. Whether well, it's hyphenated. Yeah. And I can't remember now. So it's there is no hyphen. But almost everybody remembers it having a hyphen. And um, Fruit of the Loom, does it have the cornucopia? I remember it both ways. Both ways, yeah. yeah. It's never had the cornucopia. 
ever, according to Fruit of the Loom. Right. So, but this could, we could go off on the tangent of the conspiracy theory side of this too. Wouldn't it be so funny if some of these companies were like, look at people th- remember it this way. What if we took it away and then said it was never there? <laughs> that, I mean. And, and now you can be like, look, because if right. they bring proof, like here it is. Right. Yeah, that's Photoshopped. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Flintstones, you know how to spell it? I did until you asked me. Right. How would you spell it? I think there is no T. There is a T. There is a T. Yeah. It's the Flintstones. And everyone thinks there's no T. It's Flintstones. That's the way everyone pronounces it and remembers it. So there, obviously there's that goes on and on and on. And then, of course, there's famous quotes for movies. Uh, Snow White is mirror, mirror on the wall. It's never what she said. It was magic mirror um, on the wall. So Luke, I am your father. Luke, I am your father. Um, is another uh, popular one. Uh, and then even uh, the Wizard of Oz has an, uh, when Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, and that's not what she really says. Um, I'm trying to remember what she really says, but I can't. It's, um, let me see if I can find that one real quick. I don't think I'll be able to. But anyways, so there's all these false memories we can have as populations. It can be small as two members of a family, and it can be as major as literally almost the entire world thinking that Nelson Mandela had died. So science doesn't really understand why this happens, which is why we're talking about it. Because, of course, we have the answers to everything. Right. Yes. Yes, we do. And so in that, the closest thing that science can come to a conclusion on is basically the fact that we just, is something they call false memories. And they can't really explain why we have them, why they occur, and let alone not only does an individual have it, but the fact that it can happen across multiple people they that multiple people could be convinced of a specific fact that was not reality but it can also seem to happen spontaneously where they have they've given questions to people about events that didn't happen and people will remember the event with specific details and will go even further in detail than what was ever like asked for them from them. So they've given people examples of, Hey, do you remember when this plane crash happened? Oh, I do remember. This is how many people died. And it was this airline and it happened over here in this spot. And it never happened. Never at all. But this false memory seems to be like connected with that, but they can't really figure it out. But we, it also impacts our ability to remember how we, look at the logos, the, all those examples we looked at, how we remember things. But it it seems to be because we almost have themes in our minds. And when we have this theme, we will cross the theme over and it will manipulate the memory. Yes. I, I saw a study or, yeah, I guess it would be a study where they, they took a control group and other dr- groups and they were going to go to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And so... Before they went in to Disneyland, they had, basically they gave them an interview beforehand or something like an interview. And 
some of them they just talked to and then they went to Disneyland. And at the end, of it, they asked them about their experience. So some of them they just talked to and sent them on the way. Some of them had, there's a picture of Bugs Bunny on the wall. Okay. Some of them, they inserted Bugs Bunny into an advertisement for Disneyland. Okay. And then I think there was, was there another group. No, I think there's just three groups. Anyway, the ones that they just talked to went, you know, had a good time at Disneyland. The ones that saw Bugs Bunny in that, about half of those people said they saw Bugs Bunny at Disneyland, which you would never see because Bugs right. Bunny is a Warner Brothers character. Not a Disney character. Right. The ones that uh, saw in the advertisement, they almost all remembered seeing Bugs Bunny. And they had a distinction, too, of a physical memory, like they remembered it happened, or they don't necessarily remember the memory of it, but they know it happened. Sure. Does that, I mean, does that yeah. make sense to you, yeah. that clarification? So. That's very interesting that basically you can create either a false memory or just a false thought or knowledge of something happened. Absolutely. And it's it can lead to well, number one, it can lead to hijinks, like you just scientists now doing games because they're trying to study how the human mind works, which I'm all for. But the it's amazing that the mind can be manipulated that easy. That you know, basically, in the example you gave, it was just the, it was just the subliminal message of Bugs Bunny that they saw him, right? And it wasn't even reality. So, you know, there's so many places in life that you, you want to not allow that to happen, but we easily could, and we could do it. Like you could take it from the individual level, right? Because you could have. You could have a misremembrance. Is that how you'd say that? A mis a yeah. mismemory? I don't even know how you'd phrase that. But anyways, you could have a false memory <laughs> of something that happened to you. And it could be like self-grandizement. And it could almost build you into a place that you aren't. Right. You don't really exist. But you see yourself there. And that's how you remember it. And then you'll even tell people that and other people may believe it because they have they're they're not your mom. They don't have a picture to prove you wrong. Right. And so they go along with it. And like you could think about it, and I'm not I'm not saying this is every person, but like always that person in high school and then it could become a yeah, when I was the quarterback on the football team, blah, 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 blah. And they've got all these amazing stats and you're like, Nobody has a way to prove you right or wrong. Right. Unless they were there. And so you either believe them or you don't, but it can that person has this self-grandizement. But on the flip side of that, you could even be negative. You could think you totally jacked something up and you could remember it in a way that you messed it up and it didn't. And a lot, like an easy example of that would be um, like a young child whose parents get divorced and they think it's their fault. Right. And that's how they, that's a false memory. Like, and then their memory is so strong of it that they actually then get confirmation bias and they will find details to support that memory. And you can't, like you have to unwind their entire brain to get them to the point where they're like, oh, that, that wasn't my fault. That's not, that's not what happened. I didn't break my parents up. Right. It's just, it's so crazy how dangerous it can be, whether it's for the good or for the bad. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, how it can be, 
the fact that it can go across groups of people is what's astounding to me. Absolutely. That you could change the entire dynamic of a group and shift them one way or the other just by how they remember it. And then it makes sense why conspiracy theories could come out of all that too. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah. Well, like, so so this has been years ago. I watched, uh, I guess the terminology from now would be kind of like a mentalist. Okay. And so he wanted these people to create a logo for a zoo. Okay. So he kind of planned their day out for them. Like the route they took, he had certain things in their visual fields during the day. And, you know, said certain things and did certain things so that when they created the logo, he revealed the logo he had already created. And it was pretty close. I mean, you know, it had everything that he wanted in there because he implanted that throughout the day to where they saw it, even though they didn't realize they saw it. Sure. So, you know, it it is interesting that we can do that to people. We can um, make them think that they saw something that they didn't see, or we can show them what we want them to see so that they remember later, like the Bugs Bunny thing. Right. Didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more um, suggestive. Right. Yeah. So, I mean... That being said, that's a pretty scary thing we can do to people. And it kind of gets to, you know, one of my whole things about bringing this up is what happens when it's not something that isn't really a big deal if we remember it wrong? What if it is something that's a big deal if we remember it wrong? Right. Like scripture. Yeah. And I'm going to give you an example of probably one of the most misquoted scriptures is um, spare the rods of the child. Yeah. Scripture does not say that. What it says is actually far more serious, I would say. It says, he that spareth the rod hateth his son. Yeah, that's a very different, very different. Very different. So, yeah. I mean, you know, again. Well, that's go- That's like the phrase, too, and we'll come back. We're going to come right back to that. But that's like the phrase, uh, cleanliness and neck to godliness. Right. Like you could pull the principle out of scripture, but it's not there. No. Yeah. Anyway, so back to the... So, I mean, you know, when you get to that, you have to have some kind of physical proof. You know, when you get to that point where you're questioning things, Mm -hmm. you have to have the physical proof that what am I questioning? What did I see? Was it a real thing? Right. And I think that becomes very important so that you're not just taking, okay, yeah, this happened when it really didn't happen. Right. Even if I'm talking to you and remember the same thing, it might not have happened. So how do you, so the question then is, how do you get a true north? So have you ever seen, um, not all, but quite a few municipal airports will have the compass rose painted on the ground. Okay, I did not know that. Okay, so one of the earliest times that I learned about this is I was at an airport and a helicopter came in and the helicopter just hovered over the ground. And he was hovering one direction and all of a sudden he turned and still hovering, 
turned, still hovering, turned, still hovering, and then just went up and flew away. And we're like, what What in the world was that all about? And what it was is in, in flying, there's something called magnetic drift, especially if you're going over long distances. So, you know, you've land, latitude and longitude, and as you cross longitude lines, it changes the your your direction to the magnetic north. So there's true north and magnetic north. And as you're flying, you can get magnetic drift. And if you get that magnetic drift long enough, far enough, you can end up off course by miles and not know where you're at. And it obviously can have dire circumstances because you could run out of fuel, die, and nobody knows where you are. Right. So there, what this helicopter was doing is he was truing his compass. And there was a compass rose painted on the ground that was pointed to absolute magnetic north. So he would come and he hovered over it, and as he's pointed to 100% north, he dials in his compass, and he was turning to east, south, and west to confirm his compass would follow accordingly, and when it did, he flew off. So there has to be a way to get an absolute true north in situations. And obviously some things are trivial, but in things that are serious, you have to be able to get the true north. And scripturally... The difficult thing in that sometimes can be there's so many variations of scripture as far as translation. Oh, yes. And they're not all necessarily bad and or wrong. And there's it's a whole different discussion for probably a different time of how, you know, whether it came down from uh, the from uh, Antioch or it came down from Sinaiticus or the Kodak, whatever it is come down from. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. But that makes a difference in how scripture gets interpreted. And, and how each version of the Bible that's out there now can read totally different. And so, and like a good example of that is, um, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about these things come but by prayer and fasting, come not but by prayer and fasting. And of course, Jesus is talking about uh, laying hands on the sick and, and then devils being casted out. And in the NIV, they omit that scripture completely. It's not there. So as you read through, it actually skips the verse. But down in the notes, they indicate why they skip it. And they, they go through their whole reason and stuff like that. But you could get disoriented by reading the wrong version. Right. Or getting a wrong translation. Um, then it. So how the question then is, back to that, before I go off on a tangent... How do you get a true north? How do you develop an absolute? How do you develop something where if everything is going wrong or you can't know anything for sure, you can find one thing for sure? How do you get something concrete? How do you get something absolute? So that is, to do that, I don't think there's one thing that you can point just to, just point to one thing that, you know, do this and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I think there are several things. No, and I, it's one of my favorite scriptures, but I think you have to develop a love for truth. Yeah. You know, because if you don't have a love for truth, God would send a strong delusion that you'd be, believe a lie and be damned. So you have to have a love for truth. You have to be able to say, I love truth more than my perception of things. Right, right. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I think you have to have a voice in your life 
that has veto power in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody, somebody above you, not just above you, but wiser than you. Yes. That yes. can call, that can call you out when you're stupid. Oh, absolutely. You, like, that has, that, like I said, that has veto power that yeah. says right now you're being an idiot and you're not to do that. Right. You need to stop it. And, and people think, you know, I'll give kind of a personal example, you know, I'm going to try and be vague, but I'm going to make it personal at the same time. Someone is not happy that their pastor has told them to do something. Mm -hmm. And it's not told them, it's told somebody else, but it affects them. Sure. And, And the thing is, you have to have that person because if you don't have, because not only it's a covering, right? Right. You know, it protects you, but it also helps guide you and, you know, gives you foresight and sometimes things you don't even see, but they've already seen. Right. Yeah. They've either been there or they have the wisdom to, to look ahead. So have you ever, um, I know there's a math equation. I looked it up at one point. I don't know the equation. I can give you some numbers here, and then we can always get fact-checked by someone later who's smarter than us. That's a true north. Yeah. <laughs> but um, have you ever seen the math of how much being off one degree will make a difference? So I've not seen that. I've seen the math or, you know, heard and I, I couldn't remember the numbers, but if someone's right 99% of the time, mm-hmm. what that means if in that 1%, like the person using this example was talking about water. If water was pure 99% of the time coming out of this, that 1% would kill this number of people. Yeah. You're like, holy oh, crap, that's not good enough. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So if, you know, and an easy example of this is, um, do you like woodworking? Yes. Okay. So in woodworking, you can be off by a fraction of an inch and your whole entire project is out of square and it can drive you bananas. And there are anything that is built, tool and die, machining, whatever, there's tolerances. So there's always wiggle room because nothing man-made is perfect, ultimately. Right. So And you want it to be maybe not perfect, but you definitely don't want it cabin style. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You need it to be livable. <laughs> we don't want the big bad wolf to be able to blow it down. Right. So if you're, if you're off one degree, just one degree, and you go one foot, you'll, you will miss an absolute zero by 0.2 inches. So it's almost negligible. Like you almost right. wouldn't be able to tell. You would probably still hit the bullseye depending on how big it is. And right. so you would count it a win. But of course that that is exponentially larger over distance and time. Right. So at at 100 yards, if you were off by one degree, you would miss by 5.2 feet. At a mile you'd be off by 92.2 feet. If you were to travel from San Francisco to Los Angeles and you were off one degree, you would miss Los Angeles by six miles. Okay, still not the end of the world. But if you were to go from Wa- from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., you'd end up on the other side of Baltimore 42 and a half miles away. 
<laughs> That's a terrible trip. Yes. <laughs> so if you were to travel around the globe from Washington, D.C., and your goal was to end up back in Washington, D.C., but you were off by one degree the entire trip, and you just varied one degree, you'd end up being 435 miles away. It's the equivalent of ending up in Boston. It's astounding. That's crazy. If a rocket goes to the moon and you're off one degree, you would miss by 4,169 miles. That's that's nearly twice the diameter of the moon. (laughs) You would see it, but you'd miss it. Yeah. If you were to go to the sun and you were off by one degree, you would miss it by 1.6 million miles. That's insane. Like these numbers are almost unfathomable. So if you were to travel to the nearest star and you were off by one degree, you'd be off course by 441 billion with a B miles. That's crazy. So we can have our missed memories. Right. We can have our candy stick scriptures. We can have all of our things that we like, you know, kind of coming to a close here. All the things that we think we know are absolute. But if we're if we're off in one thing, it might be okay in our lifetime. But what did that teach our children? And then what does that teach their grandchildren? And so on and so forth. Or what that teach somebody next to us that like the game of telephone, now the one degree goes to five, goes yes. to 10. And before you know it, there's not even getting back on course without a complete destruction and rebuilding. Yeah. I mean, I saw on Facebook and it drove me nuts. Someone put on Facebook the other day that what you do in um, yes, a little bit, I can't remember the word. Yeah. Your children were doing excess. Excess, yeah. That's not true. Right. Because if you only pray a little bit, your children won't pray at all. At all. Right. You know, so yeah, you've got to, you know, you've got to find the true north. And there's other things too. Like you have to, you do have to use scripture. And again, like you said earlier, there's there's so many translations of mm-hmm. it. And they do so many things with it. And they don't like even new King James to King James. Yeah. You know, and it's not that one of them is necessarily wrong or bad. There are, there are some out there that I would probably not use. Right. But there are some that are more accurate than others. Yes. There's some that are more. And the other thing is you have to filter it. You have to have a prayer life. Right. So you can filter it through prayer. Right. Filter it through your veto power. Yeah. Um, you know, and really scrutinize yourself when you're looking mm-hmm. at it. What are my motives when I read this? Right. That's a good one right there. Right. What am I, what am I trying to make it say? And I, I, like the veto power is a good one. I, you know, I know you've mentioned that before and come back to it and we're coming back to it again, but like there's been times when I've been preparing sermons before and I've read a scripture and I've been, I have, I don't want to use the word interpreted, but I've understood it. Maybe that's a better word to say. I've understood it a particular way. And I have literally written the scripture out and I have emphasized words and how I've written it out and sent it to somebody else. And I've asked them, is this how you read it or am I reading it incorrectly? 
and there's somebody that I trust, there's somebody above me, somebody who's wiser than me, and they can correct me. I've gone to pastor before and be like, hey, I'm I'm studying for this sermon, I'm reading this verse, and when I'm studying out this verse, I'm reading this phrase. As I study this phrase out, I get, I wish I could give you an example off the top of my head, but I get this definition. Is that right? And I've had them come back and say, no, don't teach that. You're wrong. Right. And I'm thankful for that because I could have gotten up there and taught that. And inevitably, that'd be the one thing that somebody remembers and it set them off. Right. And there's so many things, like I can think of things I've heard preached all my life. And then when I actually got to studying it, I was like, well, I see what they were saying, but they're not, they weren't right about it. They were like almost taking it out of context, but not intentionally. Right. And so they're like having that veto power is huge, I think. You know, it, it even gets back to stuff you put on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom sent me a, or sent my family. We got a family group text the other day, and it was a meme, and it's Mr. Bean uh, making a face. And it says, when the Holy Ghost makes you delete the whole text <laughs> and just type, reply with okay. <laughs> and that is so true. There's times where you want to reply yep. to somebody on yeah. social media or you want to send a text. Yeah. And nope. Right. Well, you know, and then even along that lines of social media, you can think about AI and all the pictures that have come out lately. Oh, yeah. And, like, you look at a picture and you're like, that's not real? You know, and there's even people. AI has developed pictures of people, and they're unbelievable. I saw an article the other day. I was reading through it. Um, I I think I got to it from Yahoo. But anyways, it and it was... There was it was a collage of pictures and it was people's faces and they were different nationalities or different origins everything like that and the statement under it was not one of these is a real person these are all AI developed AI generated and I thought oh my god you couldn't tell right you couldn't tell and I thought how easy and now we've got you know they've got deep fake videos they've got deep fake voices they've got this that and the other you got to know that you know that you know. Yes. And you've got to be able to prove it. And we've we've got to get to a point where we don't just take it because we think that's what's right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and again, the fact that, we've, like I said earlier, you and I can remember the same thing. You and your friend group can remember the same thing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it happened. Right. So having a veto power in your life. Yes. Having, what was the other one? Do we, we'll have to listen back and remember our own tips. Yeah. Um, having a love for truth. Love for truth, yeah. Which is what we're trying to do. Having a video pow- veto power. Look, having, you know, scripture. Yep. Being able to scrutinize that scripture so that you realize that I'm not just taking it for what I think it yep. says. What does it actually say? Looking at it, you know taking myself out of the situation I'm in when I read it. Being humble. Yes. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, I think that you've got to have a good spirit. Again, being humble, but having a good spirit, you know, about it to where I think sometimes you can be false humble. Sure. Yeah, the world would call it being coachable. Yes, being correctable. Yeah. You know, and Scripture talks about, you know, mm-hmm. receiving correction too. 
Yeah. There's a way to receive correction. Absolutely. So there's obviously, it's something we all have to be aware of. And it's something we all have to pay attention to. And perhaps some listener out there has their own funny story of something they've misremembered. And maybe it led to a good laugh. Maybe it led to, I don't know, some kind of turmoil. But ultimately, if we're searching to discover truth, we have to be willing to realize that something we think may not be right, even if we've thought it to be right all of our life. Yes. And then in doing so, we've got to set up boundaries so that we can ultimately dial in our compass of life, find true north. And in doing that, hopefully everybody can get on the same page. Everybody can be heading the same direction. And there's a lot of things that get fixed, not because I'm right or you're right or I'm wrong or you're wrong, but because we've all been calibrated to what's true. Right. Ultimately. So hopefully all of our listeners will be able to find something in their life that they know they need to adjust and they can get it adjusted. And then they can find somebody that has that veto power. They can find that absolute truth that's above them and they can ultimately correct or even maintain on a path when something's trying to pull them off. Cause that's the opposite side of it. It's one thing to be corrected but it's another thing to know you're on the right path and something trying to draw you away. So it's just as important to both stay yes, on the right path absolutely. and don't be, and, and also bring brought to the right path. But we hope everybody has a wonderful time. We thank you all for listening. We hope that you will join us again on our next episode of two unlearned men. And uh, we hope that you're blessed in everything you do. Be blessed. This has been another episode of Two Unlearned Men. Thank you for engaging with us in today's discussion of discovery. We would like to invite you to connect with us on our website, twounlearnedmen.com. That's the number two, unlearnedmen.com, where you are able to send us an email and find links to engage with us through social media. We can also be found on social media by searching Two Unlearned Men. Again, that's the number two, unlearned men. We hope you will join us for another discussion next week. Until next time, this has been Two Unlearned Men.